Okay, so we missed you all uh, these past two weeks. Um, last couple of weeks we spent, uh, we spent two weeks ago off and last week the counselors, we had a uh, youth counselor retreat, just um, training and being equipped to serve you guys. Um, so we're really excited to jump into this Friday or I guess today and just work with you guys again. Um, and I think as we start off, I think it's important for us to know uh, what we're all about here at FCBC Walnut, um, especially for the seventh graders. I know you guys have been here for the past two months, uh, but you guys kind of came in the middle of our James sermon series. So uh, this month we are going to take a break from James. There's only two weeks left in August. Uh, today we're going to unpack why we exist as a fellowship um, and why that should matter to you. And then next week it will be Ryan's uh, final Unicoi online. So we'll definitely have a goodbye for him. And then in September, we'll jump back into uh, the book of James. Um, so for today, the question is, why do we exist as a youth ministry? Uh, like any organization or group, there is a purpose or a vision statement. Uh, the purpose of McDonald's is to make great burgers. Um, purpose of Crunch Fitness is to provide a place to work out. Purpose of Disneyland is to create the happiest place on earth. Uh, so what's the purpose of church or uh, FCBC Walnut? Why do we exist and why do we do the things that we do? Um, and our church actually has a vision statement. Um, and it says this, to glorify God by being a vibrant church of disciple makers driven by a passion for God's word, God's family, and God's world that reproduces vibrant churches locally and globally. And so my job is to translate this to the youth context, because for you guys, maybe uh, reproducing vibrant churches locally and globally, maybe that doesn't speak to you because you're not church planters. Um, so I don't want to change it by much, but um, if I were to translate that into a youth version, it would look a little something like this. To make disciples of Jesus who treasure God's word, commit to God's family, and reach out to God's world. Uh, it's more or less the same. I just kind of simplified it. Uh, the staff and I, we've uh, simplified it. And so this is what we can hang on to. And this is the point of why we meet as a youth fellowship, the entire purpose of why we meet uh, for Unicoi. And so for starters, before I even jump into um, unpacking this, I do want to talk about what we're going to call ourselves going forward. Um, you guys should have gotten an email um, this past week. I hope you guys read it. Um, that's going forward. I know in the past we've called Junior High Gap and High School Unicoi. And in recent months, we've been calling it Unigap because we've been combined. But uh, going forward, we're going to call it Unicoi. So Unicoi is going to refer to 7th through 12th grade students. And the main reason for that is because Unicoi means one body or one fellowship. And I really want that to be the picture of what we strive for. Um, it's going to be a wide range of students, 7th to 12th grade. And I want um, the 7th and 8th graders to feel like they're part of this fellowship just as much as 11th and 12th graders. I, think, I really think there's beauty in recognizing that we might come from different schools, uh, different backgrounds, different ages, but we, all, we are all united uh, by the blood of Christ, and that makes us one body. So I know this will take some getting used to, but uh, this is the first step where we can just come together uh, as one body. Um, and I think this is something we're really going to strive for uh, this upcoming year. Um, so this is, for, for starters, we're going to call ourselves Unicoi uh, going forward. Um, now back to our youth vision statement. Let's unpack this phrase by phrase. Um, let's look at that first part, to make disciples of Jesus. Now we meet every Friday, and it's not primarily to see your friends, though that's important. 
Um, but we meet each and every Friday because we want to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe our first question is, what is a disciple? And we define it uh, in simple terms. A disciple is one who has repented and trusted in the gospel or the good news of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. That's the first part. Um, a lot of us stop there, but number two, a disciple is also someone who commits to wholeheartedly learning, following, and imitating Christ in all areas of life. Number two is really important because if we just claim uh, to repent and trust in the gospel, but we live in a life that's contradictory um, to our beliefs, you really have to ask yourself if you're truly saved or if you truly uh, care about Jesus. Um, so someone who has truly repented will naturally go on to step two, which is to be a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus. I don't want you guys to think of being a disciple as like an accelerated program or like an IB program where it's for like the advanced Christians. No, to, to be a disciple, to be a Christian is to be a disciple. If you truly are a Christian, you're a disciple and you have entered this lifelong journey to knowing Jesus, to following Jesus, and to imitate Jesus in your life. I want us to really get that part. Um, and I want us to know that as students, to not be fooled that just because we claim to be Christians, that we are. Um, so I want us to look at a passage, uh, which is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is where we get the foundation uh, for our vision statement. Uh, and it says this, and feel free to open your paper Bibles as well, um, but I'll have it on the screen if uh, for some reason you don't have a Bible available to you. Um, so it says, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus speaks as one who has power and authority over the entire universe. You guys started school this past week. Your teachers have a sort of authority in your classroom. Your parents have a sort of authority over the home. The government has a sort of authority over the country and the cities. But Jesus has authority over the entire earth and entire heavens and he says these words make disciples um, i'm gonna try to annotate i haven't done it before too much um but this is the main verb make disciples all right that is the main verb and it's a little thin there we go now you see other verbs in here, like go therefore, baptizing, uh, and teaching. But those are actually adverbs. If you look at the original language, there's only one command in this passage, and it's to make disciples. Things, it's being characterized by the adverbs, which are go therefore, that's an adverb in the original language. Baptizing, that's an adverb. It's describing how you make disciples. Teaching them, that's an adverb. It's describing how you make disciples. All right, so there's really only one main command in this passage, which is to make disciples of all nations. All, the, all these other verbs are actually adverbs, and they just support or describe the main verb of making disciples. 
I think that's really important because we make disciples by going out. We make disciples by baptizing. We make disciples by teaching others. And so as a student, if you're not a disciple, well, then your call is not to make disciples. Your call is to consider to becoming a disciple of Jesus. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, then your job is to make disciples uh, of other people. And we're going to unpack what that looks like uh, later on. Now, you might be asking, wait, I consider myself a Christian. So by that, I, I'm a disciple. But am I really capable of making disciples? That seems like a job for youth counselors. Like, I'm just a kid. How can I actually make disciples? A guy named Mark Dever, who's a pastor um, at a solid church, he said this. He said, discipling is helping others follow Jesus. Discipling is helping others follow Jesus. Now, if I were to say, say to you, can you help your friends follow Jesus? Does that seem more doable? Well, in a sense, that's what making disciples is all about. You're just encouraging one another as they follow Jesus. You're basically asking the question, how can I help this person know and love Jesus more? How can I help this person know and love Jesus more? If you're doing that, you're contributing to making disciples. So when you pray for someone, when you share a Bible verse to your small group, uh, group chat, when you encourage someone to come out to Unicoi, when you drop off food for your friend, uh, when you reach out to a friend who hasn't shown up to church in a while, when you actually share uh, what you learned from the sermon in small groups instead of being silent, you're contributing and helping others becoming more uh, deeper and deeper disciples. And so there's all, a lot of small, simple ways uh, to become a disciple, but also to help others become disciples themselves. So the question is, have you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior to become a disciple? And the second question, are you helping others know and love Jesus more? Now, the natural question is, how do I know if I'm growing as a disciple? And that's why we have uh, the, the three distinctives of treasuring God's word, committing to God's family, and reaching out to God's world. Um, so we're going to jump into that. Let me first erase uh, my annotations. So let's jump into the next point. To make disciples of Jesus who treasure God's word. All right, so in this point, we are going to look at Psalm 1. All right, we're going to look at Psalm 1. And I have it here for those who don't have a Bible. The author of Psalms, likely David, describes a man who delights in the law of the Lord. Let me read this right now. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The word blessed means to be happy. To be blessed is to be happy. Now, it's not a happiness that's based on circumstances, like if you get an A+, plus, or if you don't have school on Wednesdays because of tutorial, or... Uh, anything else that's based on circumstances the happiness described in here is in happiness based outside of your circumstances and it's anchored in god this is a happiness that is eternal because it's based on god who never changes not circumstances which do change so the one who delights in the law of the lord he is happy he's able to flee 
and fight from sin. He's, he's able to avoid the way of sinners. He is able to not sit in the seat of scoffers and be in bad company. To treasure and delight in the law of the Lord, it's like a dying man in a desert, and he finds an oasis, and he finds a well of flowing water, and he just stays there, and he drinks from that because he knows he needs it for survival. The first mark of a disciple who treasures God's word. Now, if you guys notice, the sermon is definitely central to what we do here at uh, Unicoi. Um, each Friday night, we have a sermon. Um, Moses is not preaching. He's giving an announcement, but this is the only <laughs> picture I could find. Um, the Bible is central. <laughs> He's shaking his head. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Bible is central to what we're doing here. Um, the sermon is the highlight of what we do each Friday night, and it's going to look different. What we're doing now, it looks a lot different. We're not meeting in person. I look at this picture. I'm like, dude, this is like illegal. Why are, we, why are they sitting so close to one another? Um, but now we're meeting online, and this is not actually a Friday night. It's actually a speaker's tournament, um, go speaker's tournament, but now we are meeting online, and we are hearing the word of God online, and I know you guys must feel zoomed out, um, maybe from being in school for four to five or maybe six hours a day. And I want us to remember that in school, you guys are um, interacting with history books, math books, science books, English books. These are good things, but they cannot compare to the infinite joy of wrestling and digging into God's word. The books that you're studying in school, these are dead books, meaning they're written by either dead authors or by fallen sinful authors. The Bible is a living book. And it was written by God himself who inspired human authors. So when we read the Bible, when we unpack it, it has the power to change our life. And so that's why at Unicoi, we are going to treasure God's word together. And I know as students, maybe it's really hard to read the Bible on our own time. When I think about when I was a youth, um, and even recently, every now and then, it's hard to read the Bible. Uh, and sometimes it's not the perfect analysis, but sometimes I compare it to running. When I first thought of running when I was a kid, I hated running. Uh, there's nothing really to enjoy about it. Why would you force yourself um, to run and make your legs hurt and you feel like your heart is going to burst? Like, there's no joy in that. Why would you, you know, push yourself to run? But a group of us, we trained for a half marathon. And I realized if you do it with friends and, if, and the more you do it, the more enjoyable it is. And maybe a couple of months in, I could run longer than 10 minutes. And I enjoyed running in parks and trails and just seeing the different environment. Uh, it was still very difficult. And I still had to keep at it. But I was definitely uh, developing a, a joy of running. Um, I don't run anymore. So I, the joy is kind of dead. But back then, it was there. And I think in the same way, it could be the same with reading the Bible, uh, sort of. At first, it's going to be really, really difficult but you're going to have to work at it. Maybe you don't read the whole Bible in a year, even though you commit to it. But if you read even a chapter a day or even a verse a day over time, and you ask God to open your heart to treasure God's word, over time, you will develop a joy for the Bible. So if you're discouraged right now, I want to encourage you to keep at it. It is a lifelong journey to enjoy and treasure God's word. All right, so that is the first distinctive of um, being a disciple by treasuring God's word. 
Let's look at the second distinctive, which is to commit to God's family, committing to God's family. And this will be coming from the verse Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Um, here's what it says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So a disciple is committed to God's family. And in this case, it's the spiritual family of God. And it could be your biological family if they're at the same church. Um, but the author of Hebrews, which is unknown, but he challenges his readers to consider or imagine how they can stir up one another to love and good works and not to neglect meeting together as others have continued to do. And he says all this uh, because in verse, verse 25, as the day draws near. Now that term, the day, it means the day of the Lord's return. So knowing that Jesus is returning soon, let's continue stirring one another up to love and good works. So let's continue meeting together with one another because Jesus is returning soon. In other words, if you are a Christian, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you will value hanging out with other Christians. I don't think it's any more uh, simpler than that. Christians will, will value being with other Christians. Um, now, I know COVID makes things very interesting. We can't gather in person, but we can gather online. We can still talk to one another in small groups. We can still encourage one another to love and good works. And I think this still fulfills the intent or spirit of Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Um, and I think this is especially important because before COVID, uh, there'd be a lot of activities like school, clubs, sports that would keep us, um, maybe some of us from showing up uh, to church. And maybe people would say, I have to study so I can't uh, show up on Friday nights. Um, but now that COVID is here, there really isn't much excuse. Unless you're out of the country, unless there's a life or death situation, there really isn't an excuse to not show up to church. And I think we have to be honest. If you haven't been at church for the past couple of months, it's because you didn't want to. It's not because you had to study. It's not because you're too busy. We know that's just an excuse. It's because you didn't want to. Because here's the thing. We always make, thing, we always make time for the things that we value. We always make time for the things that we value. So I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but I am trying to challenge you. Now with COVID, everyone is at home. There really is no excuse to not gather with other Christians. Now, I'm not talking about people like, let's say you have an SAT class and you can't make it uh, for the next couple of weeks. I actually had a couple of students uh, say that to me, uh, but I could tell their mindset is different. Uh, they tell me, you know, Kevin, I can't make it this week or I'll be late, I'll arrive late, but I'll be here next week. And I can tell that they're sad that they're missing out on Unicoi. And I know they'll, they'll be back the week after. That's a very different perspective or attitude from someone who shows up one week, but then he's gone for the next couple of months. Um, so as Christians, we have to commit to being with one another, to gathering with one another. And I know um, for small groups, we used to meet in person. Uh, this is my small group. When we met in person, we met in Pastor Frank's office uh, and we're real close. Um, but now we are now all meeting online and it's very different. 
I think talking to people on Zoom is very different. It's like you don't get the little micro expressions when someone laughs. Um, you don't get the micro expressions when someone says a small comment. It's just like one person talking at a time and it's not as enjoyable. I'll admit that, but it's at least something. I, I want us to still prioritize and see that small groups is, the, is a really great way to commit to your church family. I definitely miss the days of seeing you guys in person, but there's still value in meeting online. And that's why you guys are here. Um, and I'm really glad that you guys are here and that you guys value being here each Friday night. Now, another uh, avenue of community that we uh, have um, at FCBC, it's not just small groups. We also have a youth prayer meeting. This is a way where you can also um, develop that community. This is youth prayer meeting where we met in person. This was probably like a year ago. Um, and it really feels like five years ago, like because of COVID. Um, but now you, uh, youth priming has also transferred or uh, translated to online. This was just a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you, even though we are praying to God, when we pray together with one another, it does create fellowship. When you are sharing your prayer requests, when you are interceding together um, to God, it does bring you guys together. When we do have youth prayer meeting, we do have time to pray just personally, privately with God, but also we have time to uh, break out into breakout rooms and we can get to know one another and pray for one another. Um, so I know this is a shameless plug, but I do want us to know that youth prayer meeting, it does develop community. And if you can't make it on Friday night, show up on a Wednesday night. This is a place where you can still be, um, still find that community. And so uh, these are just some small ways where you guys can still reach out um, to one another and commit to being with one another. Um, I heard of one small group, I think it was 11th grade girls, where uh, they wrote handwritten mail to, seven, to the seventh grade girls. So not like emails, not like DMs, like actually snail mail, handwritten letters with a stamp on it. Um, and sound creators, if you're here, you, uh, hopefully all, most of you guys received it, but that was just a really nice gesture that we can still connect with one another, even though we can't gather in person. Um, and even with this unified ministry with 12th and 9th graders, uh, seniors, this is your way to reach down and to welcome the incoming ninth graders. So committing to God's family, it is limited, but there's still a lot of ways we can still do this. Um, so who can you guys reach out to? as disciples of Jesus, all right? So that's the second uh, distinctive, committing to God's family. Now, how about reaching out to God's world? This is the final um, distinctive. What does it look like for a disciple to reach out to God's world? This is the verse we're gonna look at from Matthew 5, 14 uh, to 16. It says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus is speaking in this passage, and it might seem familiar to you guys because it's in the Sermon on the Mount, and we just went through the Sermon on the Mount last year. Um, but Jesus is saying to his disciples that you are the light of the world. What's the implication by that? The implication by that 
is implying that the world around us is dark. Now, it doesn't mean that we are the lights. It doesn't mean that we are the savior. Jesus is the savior. But if you think about the moon, the moon does not give off its own light and merely reflects the light from the sun. So for us, we are like moons. We do not give off the light. We do not give salvation. We merely reflect not the sun in the solar system, but the son of God, Jesus Christ, as we boldly live out your faith before the world. So when we say you are the light of the world, it's because you are reflecting the son of God in a way where the people around you can see. This world, it is blind and fallen and dead in sin. Maybe some of your friends or classmates or family members, maybe they don't know Jesus as a Lord and Savior. We have to recognize that the reality for people who do not repent, that they will not be with Jesus when they die. They will be in hell. This is a reality that I really hope scares us and convicts us um, to live out our lives as disciples. We are the light of the world. We are part of God's army, and we have been commissioned to go into a fallen world and to be difference makers to our friends, to walk as lights, to be a city on a hill. That's the example they use in verse 14, that we are to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So when you act like a Christian, when you act like a disciple, the world will see, and hopefully they will be changed. I was telling the counselors last week, and I want to tell you guys, uh, students, this week, but I really feel we are in a golden opportunity. What do I mean by that? Because schools are online, um, there are no in-person activities for the moment. And maybe people and maybe your friends are experiencing loneliness or a lack of social interaction. Maybe they'll bury themselves in video games, Netflix, TV shows, or academics. This is the opportunity for the church, for you guys to reach out to your friends invite them to a Friday night, have them get plugged into a small group and help them to experience what community is like. I really feel this is a chance where the church can really move ahead and have a larger influence than the schools because the schools are online right now. Maybe the churches can move a little faster or move a little bit more because we're a smaller organization. So students, I really feel this is an opportunity that I don't want you uh, to move um, to miss out on. I know reaching out to God's world, maybe you think of things like Operation Christmas Child. Maybe you think of packing goodie bags for youth in juvenile hall. Maybe you think of YSMP. And unfortunately, we can't do any of the, those things right now uh, because of COVID. But there's still a lot you can do to reach out to the world around us. And if I could suggest one thing is to be kind. Be kind to your friends online. Be kind to your friends and be kind to your enemies, and be kind to people who have backstabbed you. Be kind to Christians and be kind to non-Christians. Be kind to straight people and be kind to gay people. Be kind to white people and be kind to black people. Be kind to conservative people and be kind to liberal people. Be kind to everyone around you because isn't that what Jesus would have done if he was on earth? Your kindness online, it could really change someone's life. And you think about the gospel message, Romans 2, 4, was it not the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? So maybe your acts and words and deeds of love can really change someone's life. In fact, it did for me. Someone 
Um, when I first came to FCBC Walnut, somebody was kind to me and that convinced me, hey, you know what? Maybe people here are actually nice. <laughs> Maybe I should actually stick around. Um, and so what happened to me in 2013, that's when I first came to uh, FCBC Walnut. I was a turf student, which is, I guess, hard to believe when I say it out loud. And I was terrified of, uh, I guess, being at a new church um, because there's like a thousand people here and I came from a church of like 300. Um, and it was very uncharacteristic of me to just dive in um, 100%. I would do that thing where I'd show up for one week. I wouldn't come for the next three weeks, then I'd show up again. But it was around winter when I realized, you know what? I'm just going to go all in and let's just see what happens. And I signed up to go to the turf retreat, uh, winter retreat, and I knew nobody there um, except John Cito. I think he was the pastor back then. Um, and I remember like showing up to, to the Mac and just seeing these, like all these Asians I didn't know. I'm like, huh, can these people actually be my friends? I don't, I don't know any of them. Um, and I put my luggage in the, in the a bus and I sat um, with this guy on the bus. Um, and John Cito, he said before the bus started, hey guys, like, you know, it's a long bus ride, it's about an hour. Uh, talk to the person next to you and ask one another, what are you learning in your faith right now? And I thought, oh, okay, cool. Um, I asked a uh, person next to me, hey, what's your name? So oh, my name is Brian, <laughs> which turned out to be, to be Brian Luck actually. Um, and that's when we first met. <laughs> and it was really loud, so I couldn't really hear what he was saying the whole time because the windows were open. Um, but I knew he was from UC Riverside. He knew that I was from APU. Um, and he was just so friendly um, on the bus ride up to uh, Turf Retreat. And uh, the whole time at Turf Retreat, I was surprised by how open everyone is, everyone was. I was surprised by how uh, friendly everybody was. And it kind of helped that I was stuck with them for um, three or four days. Um, and I don't know if this is a college thing, but when I came back home, I thought to myself, okay, is this just like a one-time deal? Are they still gonna be, gonna be nice to me? Um, but when I got home, I think there's like 10 of them, like eight or 10 of my friends that I met from Walnut who like posted on my Facebook wall. I know not, not a lot of you guys use it, but they're saying things like, hey, it was great to meet you. I hope you come out um, to FCBC Walnut, yada, yada, yada. And this just happened to um, like eight or 10 times on my Facebook wall. I actually looked back this past week because I wanted to remember like, did that actually happen? <laughs> and it did. Um, and I looked at other new people and the same thing was happening to other new people who show up to the retreat for the first time that people are writing on their wall like, hey, um, welcome to FCBC. And it's a really small gesture, it takes 10 seconds, but it really made a difference. Um, so I actually screenshotted, I wanted to show you guys what uh, Brian said to me. <laughs> um, he said this, yeah, see January 5th, 2013. He said, hey, yo, <laughs> it was fun spending retreat with you and sitting next to you on the bus on the way up. I wish you luck at APU. See you soon, buddy. And then I replied, thanks, Brian. I appreciate your welcome and good luck as well at UCR. So that was seven years ago. And if you guys don't know, I actually uh, co-counsel with them with the 10th and 11th graders. Um, and who would have known that, you know, just a simple conversation back then could really make a difference. And I share this whole story. I screenshot everything because I want you guys to know that being kind to someone online, it makes a huge difference. Because when I see people like this that are kind to me, it makes me realize, you know what? Maybe I can fit in at FCBC Walnut. Um, maybe, they'll be, maybe they'll be more than kind. Maybe they'll actually want to be friends with me. Um, 
and here I am now. I feel like I have closest friends in the world. Uh, I found my wife here, so um, people were very kind to me. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> being kind to someone online is a very, very powerful thing. And I know you guys have TikToks and Instagrams and I don't know what other apps are out there. Um, simple things like following people, um, liking their posts. Um, I don't know what you guys can do. You guys are creative. I know you guys can do it. It just takes uh, an effort. Will you be kind to somebody online? It's a small gesture, but it makes a huge difference. All right, so that is the final, um, that is the final distinction. So all in all, if I can sum it up, our youth vision for Unicoi is to make disciples of Jesus who treasure God's word, commit to God's family, and reach out to God's world. Wherever you act, maybe you're not a disciple of Jesus. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you can continue coming out and, I guess, learning what Christianity is all about. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you are a disciple. I want to challenge you to grow as a disciple, but also to help other people become a disciple as well. So as my sharing today, I hope this gives you an idea of what we'll strive for as Unicoi uh, for this upcoming year. Uh, let me pray for us, and then you guys can be dismissed uh, for small groups. Lord, thank you so much um, for who you are. Thank you for being creator, savior, and Lord. God, it is because of the gospel, um, the good news that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for us for our sins, that we can be made new, that we can receive salvation, that we can receive eternal life, and that we can be made right with you. I pray, Lord, that we would express and respond to this by following you with our lives, by repenting of our sins, by treasuring your word, um, committing to your family, and reaching out to a lost world. God, help us to do that um, right now. Bless our time in small groups, Lord and uh, be with us for the rest of this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.